Welcome to the Optimal Body Podcast. I'm Doc Jen. And I'm Dr. Dom. And we are doctors of physical therapy, bringing you the body tips and PT pearls to help you begin to understand your body, relieve your pains and restrictions, and answer your questions. Along with expert guests, our goal of the Optimal Body Podcast is to help you discover what optimal means within your own body. Let's dive in. Welcome to another PT Pearl. I'm Dr. Jen. And I'm Dr. Dom. So for today's PT Pearl, we're really going to dive into rotator cuff. Yes, the old rotary cup. <laughs> Have you ever had a patient come to you and be like, oh, I got a tear in my rotator or rotary cup. And I'm like, your rotator cuff? They're like, yeah, something like that. Nope. <laughs> nope. <laughs> I guess that must be a small town Minnesota, yeah. <laughs> Midwest Minnesota thing. Heard that more, more often than I could say. LA, I think rotator cuff is a pretty buzzword. Uh, rotator cuff's here. a buzzword, yeah. The so. buzzwords in the Midwest, we're getting there. Yeah. Rotary cup, we'll get there. Anyways, <laughs> we want to dive into what is uh, the rotator cuff. Like, what yeah. a, what does that even mean when people say you have a strain in your rotator cuff? Why is it so commonly diagnosed? Mm-hmm. What does that mean if it's diagnosed? And Some of the different diagnoses you'll get with it, whether it's a strain or impingement or tear or yeah. tendinosis, tendinopathy, all these different names and words that we use to label this rotator cuff pain. Yeah, so we'll dive into all those different types of things to help you just better understand what that means within your body. We'll go through some a couple studies on the prevalence of rotator cuff and how often it's diagnosed and what it means and how you might be walking around with a rotator cuff strain or minor tear and you might not even know it. So a lot of what we we like to talk about, Dom and I, we really go into, you know, how overdiagnosed things are sometimes Mm -hmm. and why we cannot just rely on a diagnosis to determine the pain because if we want to dive into some of those studies like right away, I mean, a lot of people get diagnosed or a lot of people can have that rotator cuff strain or tear or minor yeah. tear, obviously not a full tear, but a minor tear and not even know it. Or yeah. they might have that tendonitis within one of the rotator cuff muscles and again, not even know it. And so all of a sudden, if we're just going to say, oh, now I have a pain and now I'm only going to contribute it to that diagnosis, well, it might be yes, and what Mm -hmm. else do we need to pay attention to? So Mm -hmm. we want to go into just bringing awareness to what it is um, and then providing you with some tools that you can use within your own body to start seeing how we can kind of manipulate the body and why we don't need to just focus on individual muscles. Absolutely. And I mean, the studies that I was looking at mainly... um, And kind of what you were getting at is how we, in Western medicine and in American medicine, were so good and so smart with images and with tests at knowing exactly what's going on as far as the numbers or as far as what the tissue looks like. Mm -hmm. Makes it very tempting to then, once we figure that out, be like, oh, there it is. That's why I have the pain. That's why my shoulders hurt. And in reality, that's just the end manifestation of the real reasons that your shoulder's hurting, you know? And so some of the studies I looked at, especially past age 50, so of course these were on older populations, but 20 to 25% of people can be walking around with a partial tear or up to a full thickness tear. That's crazy. And be asymptomatic. Mm -hmm. And up to two-thirds of the rotator cuff tears they found were asymptomatic. Mm. And some of the populations were done on asymptomatic people, meaning they had no shoulder pain, and it was still almost 20% 
people registered with some sort of rotator cuff tear, which is crazy to me. But then I also, if I can go into a little tangent, when we talk about imaging and a muscle and an MRI, when we image a muscle on an MRI, imagine one of those thick ropes that has about a thousand little threads in it, right? And if we just nick and cut about 10 of those thousand threads, so very minor disruption in that rope, that would register as a partial tear in MRI imaging because it's a disruption Mm -hmm. and it'll cause that interference. So that's also where we have to understand what some of these positive findings on MRIs are showing Mm -hmm. and how minor they may be. So, Mm -hmm. you know, a long little tangent as to show some of the research I looked at, a lot of people will have these tears. A lot of them will be asymptomatic. Mm -hmm. So that doesn't necessarily mean that it is the tear causing the pain. Yeah, totally. Thank you for that. Yeah. Little rundown and we'll put yeah. Any of the studies that we use in show notes and stuff so yeah. you can look over them. Definitely. Um, and when it comes to what is the rotator cuff, let's, so let's, let's cover that for yeah. a hot second. So we um, in PT school usually or anyone studying anatomy or anything, mm-hmm. we say the sits muscles. Yeah. <laughs> so this is an easier way to understand all the different muscles so we can describe them all real quick. So we have our supraspinatus and that is the most popular one that usually we're we're talking about tendonitis or impingement or um, a lot of the tendinosis. So meaning that Mm -hmm. it's not like an itis, it's not an acute inflammation. It's kind of a longer term inflammation within the tendon. So it's been overused and, and kind of got built that inflammation for a chronic period of time now. And yeah, when yeah. we say chronic, that's usually over three months. Yeah. And what Jen's kind of touching on is when you say tendonitis versus yeah. tendinosis. Yeah. Itis, when you hear that tendonitis ending, means it's like acute or a short term, or this has been happening for just a short amount of time yeah. and it's warm and it's swollen versus osis, longer amount of time, not as much warmth and swelling necessarily, yeah. but still have that achiness that yeah. will come with a tendinosis type diagnosis. Yeah. So the supraspinatus kind of is at the very top and it's a small muscle here. So it kind of is just right at the top of the shoulder, but it comes down to the tip. So we have this top bone that we can kind of grab right here is actually part of our shoulder blade. Mm -hmm. And it makes up like, think of the the ball and socket within the shoulder. It's going to be the, the top portion right up here. Okay. So that bone that floats up and over on that shoulder blade area. This is what we can grab right over here. And then that's going to connect over into our collarbone, stuff like that. Okay. But now if, when I move my shoulder up, that is the, the head of my humerus right here is going to move up and along. And we want our shoulder blade to hopefully be moving out of the way so that we have full range of motion. But if we don't have full range of motion and something's getting caught and stuck, you can see how if a tendon or the the portion of that muscle, that tendon from that muscle is running underneath this bone here from that shoulder blade and on top of my humeral head here, then if I don't move my shoulder blade out of the way, I can get that pinching. So Mm -hmm. the pinching over and over and over and over again is what can cause that acute or chronic inflammation, that irritation, that sense to our to our nervous system and to our brain and saying, pain, pain, alert. (laughs) And that's where with rotator cuff impingement symptoms, one of the common things we see is what we call a painful arc, mm-hmm. which is at about 90 degrees. Because our humerus, like Jen was saying, our arm bone, gets up to 90 degrees on its own 
pretty easily, and we have plenty of space to do that. Even if we're sitting with bad posture, 90 degrees, check, right? If I try going up above 90 degrees with bad posture without moving my shoulder blade, I start getting some pressure in the front sides of my shoulders. It's once I move my thoracic spine and shoulder blade and let it that shoulder blade rotate out and clear that I can get above head without having that pinching. So that's where you'll get that painful arc because we might not have that space you're talking about. Yeah. And we'll dive into all of that and how that's all related to the shoulder at the very end. Um, so that's one of the muscles, supraspinatus. Then we also have subscapularis. And mm -hmm. if you reach underneath your armpit and kind of grab your shoulder blade on the inside, don't pinch too hard because we do have arteries and nerves and all that that run out of there. So if you might notice like my hand is going numb. So don't like grab too hard. We need to be careful, especially when you're unsure of what you're grabbing yeah. there. But basically the subscapularis is on the inside of that shoulder blade. So my shoulder blade's on the back, right? It's going to be on the inside. And this is really our internal rotation mm -hmm. muscle. So it's going to take this arm from the outside and rotate it in. Um, and then that's also connecting out here. So can also contribute to some symptoms of a pinching of of that impingement, that tendonitis, that, that kind of stuff. Uh, the other one, which mine likes to flare up quite mm. a bit, is the infraspinatus. A lot of people have real hot infraspinatuses. I feel like that's a real popular one to, yeah. especially if you sit at desks a lot, especially mm -hmm. if you have that kind of internally rotated, or if you do a lot of weightlifting, anybody who's into some he like heavier CrossFit or that type of weightlifting, yeah. I find has really hot infraspinatuses. So that's on the back of that shoulder blade. And that does more of your external rotation of the arm. Yeah. And the reason, especially if you're stuck in an internally rotated position, working on a computer and kind of have your arms kind of coming in. Now imagine this arm that really wants to pull you out and open is now being forced internally. So it's almost working on like a pulling stretched type motion. And that's why it gets so hot and heavy. So think of it like elongated and but still trying to hold you up and hold you into place. So that is why that back of that shoulder blade, you touch it and it's like, ooh, ooh, that really doesn't yeah. feel so good. And that's why we usually like to say, okay, what kind of mechanisms can we bring in where we kind of take pressure <laughs> off of that shoulder blade, which we might be able to tap onto Bit, but. And that guy's kind of paired with your fourth rotator cuff muscle, mm -hmm. which is the teres minor, mm -hmm. who kind of runs along a similar path right from the outside and the bottom corner of that shoulder blade all the way up the arm and also does kind of that external rotation yeah. moment. In general, the rotator cuff and why it's so important and why we do these internal external motions. Now you can see why like these are probably prescribed a lot is because mm -hmm. it literally does internal rotation and external rotation. Those are the main forces. But the main reason that the rotator cuff is talked about so much and why we like to bring attention to it and pay attention to it is because the rotator cuff is literally what is holding your shoulder in the socket. Like yep. it is holding it because we don't have like ligaments and tendons that, that come underneath the the shoulder it, there's no like superior part you have a transverse humeral ligament you've got things all around yeah but, but we yeah. don't have anything underneath so our shoulder would fall out of the socket if we didn't have strong and stable rotator cuff muscles so they literally 
contribute to the stability within the shoulder. Now, they get hot, they get heavy. We we pay attention to them a lot, but what we also have to realize, just like you showed, Dom, earlier, is that if you're in a hunched position, your arm is only going to move so much. So if we're like, okay, you have rotator cuff syndrome and we're only going to give you internal, external type exercises, we're only mm-hmm. going to address the stability of that shoulder and say, let's build on that stability. I'm just going to sit there and do inferior mobs all yeah. day long. Well, no one knows what that is. We yeah. don't need well, to go totally. into that. <laughs> but point being, I sit there and do manual work or tissue work on your shoulder all yeah. day long to get those symptoms to go away. Yeah. Um, similar to you saying doing exercises, internal, external rotation at the shoulder. Yeah. I think you're getting to the point that we need to do more. Yes, 100%. And that's where, that's why, you know, we have to then look at like, okay, how do we get that shoulder out of that painful position? <laughs> and that's where we look at the thoracic spine because I can, we can literally change your shoulder range of motion and those impingement symptoms just by taking that thoracic, that upper spine portion and having it upright. <laughs> Literally, when we move it into a more extended position, we move the rib cage on top of that. So remember that our rib cage is connected to the thoracic spine. If I adapt and move my thoracic spine, I move that rib cage. Now, when I move that rib cage, I have freedom for my shoulder blade to move. And that is the whole point. Like my, if my shoulder blade doesn't move, then I'm going to get more pinching into my, into my shoulder area. I'm going to make my rotator cuff work overload because it's trying to do all of it then rather than utilizing my thoracic spine, utilizing my shoulder blade, utilizing more bigger muscle groups rather than just these small, tiny ones. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And that's what I find the most is what causes a lot of these imbalances. I mean, yeah, the rotator cuff does the internal external rotation and you know our supraspinatus helps us elevate our arm. But it is more that stabilizer, and it's more active when we're doing really, really light loads, which mm-hmm. is why you have this big shoulder pain, and say you're somebody who is very active or does CrossFit or does some heavy ho- overhead lifts, and you get these tiny little wimpy exercises, and you're like, what is this? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I lift hundreds of pounds. How is this going to help fix my shoulder? Yeah. And um, in reality, it is those other shoulder muscles taking over and yeah. just making that ball migrate in the socket because our rotator cuff can't handle it yeah and then that's what causes overload and strain yeah and if we do it once (laughs) maybe an itis or an acute inflammation and if you do that type of exercise or lifting over six months then it may be something that comes on over over time and you might not notice it right away but yeah and and going off of that some of the big muscles that we commonly usually see that take over the pec being one of the first ones. Mm -hmm. So imagine this pec muscle, which pulls you into internal rotation is going to migrate that shoulder forward. So if you notice like a lot of like this shoulder is kind of rounded forward more, um, we can actually feel it. Like if I feel where the top of that shoulder blade is again, and then if I feel go down a little bit and feel where the bone, so the head of that humerus is. And if it is like, if it's resting right on top of each other, you're doing really well. But if you can pinch into the very top of that shoulder blade, it feels like a flat bone at the very top. And, and you feel where like you come up around to the side of the shoulder and you kind of pinch and you notice, like you could take a picture of this. You can have someone do it to you. You notice that you're fingers that are grabbing the side of that head of the humerus are in front of that 
that shoulder blade, then you might notice like, oh, I'm getting a lot of pulling forward. I'm getting a lot of pulling into that in like internally rotated position. So it's not just about working external rotation. That's great. But again, we might overwork external rotation. So how can I first address what's pulling it forward? And that's where, you know, kind of getting into positions that will allow the pec to relax a little bit more, allow the pec to not do so much work, make sure that you're utilizing the punching muscle, your serratus anterior, rather than just relying on the pec to do a lot of motions, making sure that you're utilizing your whole anterior core. So like your trans, your obliques, your, your rectus, like everything when we're doing motions that we're not just relying on this pec. So it, it, the whole, I mean, this can be overwhelming to hear because it truly yeah. is like then now, okay, now not just looking at the pec and other muscles that might be overworking and overloading, your upper traps, mm-hmm. upper traps. And that could be even just how you're like sitting at work all day and allowing your shoulders to come up to your ears because you're getting so stressed out. And or then you go to the traffic. gym <laughs> and then all, the only thing that knows how to activate is your upper trap. Yep. <laughs> and then lats, lats can take over for mm-hmm. some of those smaller like lower trap and uh internal rotators definitely yeah and some of these other muscles that want to help with it so that's where we're not anti working the rotator cuff we definitely think that it's important and it's something that Mm -hmm. going back to those little stabilizing exercises help but you also get to address where my movement imbalances might be what might be overtaking um, what might not be moving well, so the thoracic spine, mm-hmm. the rib cage, the shoulder blade, and how we can address the system as a whole rather than just looking at that inflamed supraspinatus. Definitely. Because if we don't do anything outside of that, then that thing is going to get poked again and come back around and be angry. And then the more times you chronically inflame or irritate a rotator cuff, that's when it becomes that chronic issue that we just start to attach ourselves to and we start to have come back around oh my shoulder's flaring up again Mm -hmm. what this time Mm -hmm. you know stop moving as well Mm -hmm. we stop reaching as well and doing other things one of my favorite things that i like to do just to like maintain so that we're not going into um pain is actually addressing that thoracic spine so every morning before you get out of bed do what is called an open book which you can find on my Instagram, Dr. Unfit, everywhere because I do it all the time. Um, but literally just laying on one side, you reach forward and then you bring that shoulder blade back and you reach and you open back. So it's laying on your side, keeping your your knees over to one side and only moving from the upper back. And you do some breathing with that, some slow relaxing, and you just get that upper spine to mobilize. Because when we mobilize into rotation, we're actually helping with extension as well. So it's not just a, how do I pull my shoulder blades down and back more, but it's how do I rotate more? How do I move throughout the spine so that I can get it to open up? Because even just practicing rotation will help with extension. So just like we were talking about earlier, from even just really changing the way that we move in our thoracic spine, it helps to open up the shoulder so much more. So even just thinking about opening up your thoracic spine and your upper back can help to change the way that you feel in your shoulder. I love that. And I love the open book. And it's definitely one that I get to work on more and more for my own shoulders. Um, I think I'm going to take a little bit of a cheater's route on my one favorite exercise today. Um, 
because especially, and this is especially for people who spend long periods of time either sitting for work or if your job keeps you in the same position for a long time. And if we're in a sustained or stagnant position for a long time, I like to talk about my one rule or one exercise being the 30 for 30 rule, which is every 30 minutes at work, especially while you're sitting down hammering away at work, you for 30 seconds should move into the opposite position. So if you're if you are sitting in this kind of internally rotated, um, hunched over position, and every 30 minutes we take time to get up, open up those shoulders, you know, pinch them down and back, get those arms moving. I don't even want it to be anything specific, because I think we get too attached to what specifically I should do. What you specifically should do is move, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and you should specifically should not sit in one position for more than two, three hours or more than 30 minutes. And if we do that every 30 minutes, then you're getting up 10, 12, 16 times throughout work, moving your blood, moving your lymph, moving your brain, fluids and juices, and actually probably being more productive at work. I think there are studies that back that too, nothing that I specifically looked into, but keep moving your body. So 30 for 30 rule. I like that. And that kind of goes back to one of the sayings that I love, which is, you know, uh, there's no one perfect position. The best posture that you can be in is the next posture. Oh yeah. I love that one too. I've heard that before. <laughs> yeah, Because that really, and that kind of goes back to, um, like you saying that it's unspecific. Yeah. It doesn't matter what you're, what you're moving into. It just matters that you're doing something different. And that's mm -hmm. like Anthony Lowe, who's like one of the leaders in like the female public health, but he really talks about Rather than finding the one optimal position, which kind of goes back to the whole point of our podcast, there's no one perfect thing. It's it's finding something different. So how are you going to move your body to do something different? That's it. So it's like exactly what you said. You be here, you know, open up, do something different. It doesn't matter. Like if you feel your shoulder blades rounding back, pull them back, pull one back, pull the Like how can you do something different to just manipulate the posture? Because regardless of what we say or what the, the biggest guru in exercise says and how they cue you need to do it based on how it feels and how yeah. you feel doing it. It's like the, the most intelligent or best mover in the world can cue you a certain way and tell you you should feel something. And it could feel way different than yeah. they expect. So be your own biggest detective and explore that movement. And, <laughs> and it just, it helps too, because like, even if we use different tools or different, or we go get a massage and different, like every different type of stimulation that we do for movement internally and how we're feeling it externally is all going to help to better like map our brain. So think of our, our brain as maps to our entire body, right? Mm. So our brain has really good maps to certain parts. So like our hands, we can detect things without looking at it, right? By just knowing what it feels like in our hands. Um, our feet are pretty good too, sometimes some more than others. <laughs> um, but there's different parts in our body where it doesn't have as good a feedback. There's not great mapping. Like think of our stomach, think of our, our torso, like who, who touches it enough? Like maybe you get back rubs, but is anyone doing stomach rubs? Like, mm -hmm. or even the shoulder, like you're aware of it, but is anyone touching it? Have you rolled on it lately? Have you done different things? So like mm -hmm. even just bringing awareness through movement and externally helps to better map the brain. And that's going to decrease that sensitivity to pain yeah. that we're going to experience. That's going to just like change the game in a lot of ways so it can help us approach some of those fears too yeah if you do start doing some of those different things and say oh that's uncomfortable but but it wasn't as horrible as i thought yeah that's like, and it helps you make things more tangible or more approachable um if you do just start to explore and then you start to notice oh that's doable i can do that so so hopefully you got just like a good idea of a better 
way to approach a shoulder and think about rotator cuff, not be so scared of it. It's a high prevalence and some people don't even feel the pain if they have the diagnosis. So mm -hmm. it's not something to fear. It's just something to like work with. Okay. What am I not doing enough of? What am I not moving into differently? What am I, you know, like, and just start to explore the entire body as a whole and really looking, especially at that upper back, that shoulder blade and start to explore. So hopefully we help to decrease some of the fear around that. And if you guys have more questions about just different types of diagnoses or pains in the body, please ask. We want all the feedback. <laughs> so hopefully, like, let us know what you're feeling about this show. Let us know if you learned anything about this PT Pearl and, and ask us questions. Let us know what, how else we can better help bring awareness into your body and teach you things and hopefully a really easy to digest mode. So we're not trying to get too clinical and technical. If we are, please no. let us know that too. Yeah. <laughs> we want to keep it like more easy to understand. So, um, yeah. And so until the next PT Pearl, we have our next interview coming up. So stick around. Here we go. We'll head into that. All right. Before we go into the guests real quick, because I know that these guys have every single pairs of the Vivo barefoot shoes and I get asked consistently because I, I wear them every day, but I get asked consistently what shoes I'm wearing, why I'm wearing them, because guess what? They don't have foot support and they don't squeeze the heck out of your toes. So these are the first shoes that you would have that are not cages for your feet. And that's what Dom and I talk about a lot. That's what Kelly Stratt was talking about on his podcast. I know Andrew literally said that he has every pair of Vivo shoes. And so we just want to be able to offer you guys an opportunity to get to know your feet in a whole new way. Take your feet out of prisons by allowing those toes to actually spread out so that you don't get bunions, you don't get plantar fasciitis, all these other issues that lead up the chain as well, like back pain. So use code OPTIMAL at checkout. Get 15% off your order of your first Vivo shoes. Give your feet a break see what it feels like. Don't go running in them, okay? Don't be crazy. Start to break them in slowly, but truly, I get asked all the time. I lift in them, I walk in them, I love them. They're cute also for my ladies out there. <laughs> so try it out, let us know what you think. Oops, there's been a little bit of a change. So use code OPTIMAL15 at checkout and the code is in the show notes. So just go to the show notes, click the link, use OPTIMAL15 at checkout. And we're switching things up a little bit by bringing on a chiropractor this time. One of my favorite, it is Dr. Mike and Andrew. And these two are founders of Move You. So if you go on Move You on Instagram, you're going to be able to find these guys. And they have created an amazing program that helps you move into your body, learn movement, fix your pain from within. And I'm so excited just to go through this journey that these two have gone through to get to that point. And just to put a little warning out there. They are explicit humans. <laughs> so they will say whatever they want to and they do cuss a little bit. So if you have kids around, maybe listen to it a little bit later on your own because you're not going to want to miss this episode. Not only are they hilarious, but they also share a lot of wisdom here. Welcoming onto the podcast, which I'm so excited about, is the boys of Move You, <laughs> the men mm -hmm. of Move You, Mike and mm -hmm. Andrew. <sighs> Thank you so much for being here. Not only are you guys hilarious, but you educate a ton to so many people through so many different platforms. And I just appreciate your approach, your humor, your light, and the education that you guys both provide. So thank you for being here. Oh, you. Jen, you're welcome. And, you know, I tell you, I would, I, 
you guys asked, you guys came on, say, would you? I'm like, you guys don't even need to give me that like plea. Just be like, hey, be on the podcast Thursday. I'm like, sounds great. I'll be there. <laughs> I'll in a second. You guys, you're Jen, we're on the same mission to help people, as we say, fix their shit. And uh, introduce just teaching people what we know, you know, me, you, Dom. We went to school for what collectively, who knows, 27 years and got all these advanced degrees, learned all this shit. We're like, hey, at least myself, I'm like, I could teach this. You don't need to go through all the school to learn how to fix your shit. So we just try to make it really simple for everyone to fix their bodies. And Andrew learned through the school of hard knocks, which is a lot cheaper and takes a lot less time. Yeah, I went through the life experience routes, worked with them on a lot of people and went through my own injuries and pain, worked through it. Well, you do have a degree, though. Don't let Mike dare you down. Oh, yeah, the kinesiology degree. Yeah. And the way that you move, <laughs> Mike, we got to hand that one to Andrew. Because <laughs> yeah. Fine. I'll finally hand over that card today. <laughs> finally admitting that Andrew's got the movement. Mike, I've met you a few times. Always felt amazing support from you, Andrew. Look forward to the first time we get to meet and move together. But super blessed to have you guys on here to share a little bit of both your journeys. And the first thing that I want to like chat about that Jen and I want to dive into is how you two met, you know, Mike, you being the clinician, Andrew kind of going through your own journey, working with a lot of people doing the biomechanics stuff. Um, how'd you Tinder. guys meet and start? <laughs> <laughs> Tinder. It was, he had a picture. It was actually a picture of a, of a really good looking girl. <laughs> and I requested and then he said, after a few messages, he goes, do you mind that I'm a guy? Yeah. And I said, whatever. I mean, we're this far into this relationship. Actually, that is partially true story. But no, I actually had that as like a message sometime on, it wasn't Tinder, but it was like this conversation with this girl. This is when I was single, of course. And it like... 30 messages in, they're like, uh, hey, hope you don't mind I'm a guy. I'm like, oh, no, not at all. Let's work, Let's keep going with this thing. <laughs> I had a clinical practice, a sports injury and rehab. So I'd work with a lot of athletes and chiropractic, some physical therapy style moves, teaching people how to move their body. And one of my patients was named Dr. Kara Witzke. And she was the dean of kinesiology at California State University. And she asked me if I wanted to teach a class. And I said, hell yeah, I'd love to teach a class. And so my first thought was like, well, what can I put together for students? Like, because this is a brand new scratch. It was a brand new course. And it was pretty much for pre-physical therapy students. And so I go, well, no one I know now, I think people, PTs, especially in undergrad, future PTs, should know, in Jen, Dominic, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but most people that are in undergrad have little to no experience of what being a PT is like. They just hit the next button after kinesiology degree and go to PT school without having the slightest idea of what a day in the life of a PT is actually like. Is that accurate? Yeah. And I think, you know, even if you get the experience working in a clinic, a lot I've worked with physical therapists who have zero idea how to even move their own body, let alone now they want to go work with others and try to teach them how to do that. And we're supposed to be movement specialists. That's literally a physical therapist. You know, that's always my, that's my challenge with the education system, including PTs and chiros alike, is that, is that school is set up where you learn something by sitting in a desk and then you are tested on it with a test. So 
it's not necessarily a learn by doing. It's a learn by, what is it? Reading and reiterating it. So that's a different topic. So either way, I started a course at California State University called Intro to Manual Therapy Techniques. And I created it just to give these future students a taste of what a day in the life of being a PT is. Now, I'm not a PT. My background's chiropractic, but I've worked side by side with more PTs than chiros over the past 10 years or more. And looking at that section of people between personal trainers, chiros, PTs, medical doctors, massage therapists, it's about 80% the same, right? You go to a place and you work on people for an hour and try to help them. It's very similar. So my very first class, Andrew was one of my first students. We were stoked to sign up for that class. Actually, we saw it on the roster and we're like, what? We get to actually go learn some manual techniques. So it filled up instantly, I believe. It was cool. It filled up in like a matter of like 10 hours. The whole class was full. It was exciting. I was pumped up. I absolutely love it. So yeah, that was my first course. And Andrew, you could probably tell me about myself as an instructor because the students had a different perception of how I was. (laughs) He he came in, I remember that, that first class, and everyone just proceeded to laugh at him for about, I think it was a three-hour class, and once a week, and we just laughed at him for three hours. It was his first time teaching a group of people that big, and he was obviously nervous, and it was just new territory for him, and he just cracked us up, and he made us really enjoy it and look forward to the future of the class, and every week we came in, it was just nice to be able to do the hands-on work. And our test was hands-on. It wasn't, you know, a written thing. He'd be like, all right, next person come in. We'd have to palpate people, show them how to do massage this muscle where this muscle is. And it was just very different from what we'd normally been doing in classes. And everyone got an A and that got him in trouble. I gave out like 38 A's and one B. And I was like, Dr. Whiskey, this was a very intelligent group of people I was working with in there. (laughs) Here's what I learned. First of all, women are manipulative because they would do hands-on tests. I'd be like, okay, show the ASIS. And then they'd have like tears rolling down their face. I'm like, no, 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 don't cry. Don't cry. Just look, it's, it's in this area. And I'd like draw a circle. I'm like, just somewhere in there. And they're like, here? I'm like, that's close enough. You did so well. And afterwards, I learned that there was like four or five women that would just intentionally cry, and I would guide them to the answer. So I have lear- I learned that I was being taken advantage of in there as well. Oh, and- my gosh. <laughs> but it was cool. I loved it. I couldn't believe I got paid for it. I couldn't believe I got paid to teach. I, lo- I couldn't wait to go in every week. I spent so much time prepping and I figured I needed five good years of teaching that course before it was really, really good. But yeah, Andrew then was in my first class. And then after that, I think at the end of the semester, I needed interns and teacher's assistants. And he stepped up for that. And then Andrew also then in the clinic life. So I had internship program in my clinic. and Andrew was there for that. Then when Cali Spine opened, Andrew was the first employee at Cali Spine. He always said he was my front desk girl. (laughs) Yeah. Actually, I was interning with Joe. He was a PT. And then I was interning at what was that other PT place in in San Diego, Mike? Fancy one. Whatever. I was interning there and I was interning with you. So I was doing three places at the same time. And I was like, I don't know if I want to be a PT. Why did you not want to be a PT based on those experiences? I think that 
at least the PTs I was around, I was like, I'm just watching them passively move joints. Mm. I'm like, that is, they get these post-surgery patients. And I'm like, I don't want to do that mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, for any population. So I don't know. So then you started heading more of the movement and really working with clients then with Mike? Pretty early on, yeah. I was the front desk girl, but we'd have like one patient, maybe maybe two patients at a time. And I was working on them in, in the back of our 400 square foot. Was it 400 or 200, Mike? It was about 150 square foot off. 150 <laughs> square feet. And I would just take patients outside and work on them. You'd work on like the front patio of like this, like yeah. uh, it was like a it was like a low traffic zone where people would walk by and enter be training people. And honestly, I felt like I, I had no idea what I was doing. And I'm sure everyone kind of feels that way when they first come out of any schooling and they go to put it into practice. They're like, all right, this is kind of intimidating. And I just started to learn just each person at a time. So I feel bad for those first people. <laughs> yeah. God rest their souls. <laughs> I, I hope they're still all alive. <laughs> so I want to know a little bit how that was working in the clinic. Andrew, were you just doing like the movement? And Mike, were you just kind of working on people doing adjustments, manual, or were yeah. you also helping with movement as well? How was that kind of dynamic for me? We had a little system. So the system was... I would get people back, new patients. I would ask them, you know, find out what's going on with them, why they were in. I would do an exam on them and I'd do my whole clinical, all my orthopedic tests, all that stuff. You know, at the time I might order some tests, MRIs, or review some MRIs. I would do the adjustments, of course. Andrew would, at the end, start to do it. Well, I don't, I, we can't say that stuff on air because I have my license back. He was, everything was like I did some things that were similar to some other what other people do yeah so (laughs) all above board all above board because the body's so durable you know all these freaking risks and shit and jen this is like all the medical school working with all the doctors people are always talking about the what ifs wait a disc herniation could be sequestered and paralyze the person and after 20 years i'm like i ain't ever heard of that happening once and i wail on people all of these what ifs I just have seen medical as a very fearful, scared, timid profession, always looking at worst case scenario. And I'm like, that shit ain't ever happened. I'm like, this is 99.9% of the time. You just get in there. You do the physical work on someone, whatever. You adjust them. You help them get into a movement, whether it's painful at the time or not, so long as they're alignment and you keep them moving forward and people improve. And I don't know how I got on that topic, but that's just a little sidetrack. I'll back right up to here where we were. And yes, so then Andrew would do a lot of rehab with people as well. He would help people. Now yeah. at the time, I think this is important to know that around this time, Andrew herniated a disc in his back. Yeah, I think I was still in school when I started working with you. And it was at the end of the semester. I was kind of studying for finals and I was super sick. And just laying in bed up against the wall, kind of curled a little bit, just rounded like all the shit that we talked about on our Instagram. And I was coughing and coughed super hard and felt a pop in my lower back. And from that point on, I just had this localized pain in, in, you know, in the disc and like a tiny bit of sciatica. 
And over the months, it progressively got worse until I eventually had full-blown, just crazy sciatica down both legs. That's when I went to the doctor. But I don't know if we're there yet. Story we're line. there. Are we oh, there yet? Yeah, we're there. We're, we're wherever we want to be. <laughs> yeah, so, dive in. You guys dove right into my next question, or our next question, which was, Andrew, why did that movement become so important to you and teaching other people in that? if I'm not wrong, a little bit into that journey that you went through. Okay, so when we post things on Instagram, sometimes we get people to say like, the movement isn't the problem and the posture doesn't matter. And I'm like, I'm not sure you've ever experienced a severe injury where every little thing that you do causes tremendous fucking pain. And you can't even go to the bathroom without crazy pain. And that's when I really had to focus on like what my body was doing and paying attention to how lax I was. I'm I'm incredibly flexible and just had very little control of my body and awareness, my proprioception. I spent a good two years trying to figure out like what my body was doing and learning to control the segments of my body in every movement that I did. I did see your questions and yes, I, I was told to have surgery. I had a 10 millimeter herniation in my L4, L5, and it was also bulging to the right, I think, eight millimeters. So I had this sciatica down the left leg, super severe, pretty bad down the right leg, and obviously the localized pain in the back. So I had a lot of feedback whenever I did anything, quote, improperly or just not to my body's liking. So I really learned to neutralize my spine for a while while that herniation kind of got reabsorbed. And that was a two-year process. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Well, what made you say, okay, no matter how bad this pain is, I'm not going to take that surgery. I'm going to continue to explore and learn. My uncle has had six surgeries, and all of them have failed, and he continues to be in severe pain and take crazy amounts of medication. I preferred to go the very long route and at least live with what I had than to go the route that he was in with constant vomiting because of the medication and everything that was going on with his organs. And I was like, dude, no way. It's a crazy trap. How's he doing nowadays, Andrew? Struggles, man. Especially with with coronavirus and everything like that. We're definitely worried about him. Hmm. Yeah. So, Andrew, when you started to learn more and more about movement and how to move your body or maybe even stabilize your body more. So did you take different courses or what kind of things did you seek out to get some of that information? Well, obviously learning from Mike through our computer practice, learning from what he was doing with patients and actually working on patients, working on my own body. And then there's a CrossFit coach that was one of our patients and he's like you need to come to crossfit i'm like are you insane like i can barely do anything (laughs) he's like no i'm gonna teach you some really cool things and he started to teach me a bunch of breathing techniques and just kind of really taught me how to stabilize my core and pointed out a lot of the issues that i have with my movement patterns and you know i attribute him teaching me a lot of like the very intricate little movements of my body that I was kind of having trouble recognizing. That's when I kind of took the knowledge I got from Mike with the anatomy and and the intricacies of of injuries. And then what this guy was talking about, he had no knowledge of anatomy, just understood movement patterns more than anything. 
And I just combined the two and was able to take that and really start to help people in the office with just movement. Yeah. And that was like in Cairo school and through all and afterwards through FMS, SFMA, Gray Cook, Gary Gray, like all of these like PT movement style rehab, like I don't know about you guys, but we learn the movements. Like this is the bird dog. This is how to do it. This is the bridge. This is why. And these are all like staples and rehab and the basis of movement foundation. But Andrew, he discovered deeper layers of those movements that I was not aware of. So he's taught me those deeper layers of those movements. I'm like, oh my goodness. I was just having people do reps of bird dog without understanding the true purpose of doing these things and the orchestration of the muscles that need to be active while during those to stay aligned. And so this is where I learned the depth from Andrew. Yeah. Oh my God. You're like speaking our language when you guys are talking about this. And breath I, and <laughs> you yeah. hit on a few of our major points that we go back to breath and why we move. It's just huge. And I think that's <laughs> the most important part is that people want to just ask us questions and be told the answer, but the reality is you have to feel it. And just it like you got that real life experience, Andrew, of feeling it and then understanding deeper what all of these exercises do and what they mean, that's like, that's the meat of it. That's where someone really begins to learn. Exactly. And with our online program, we used to get asked a lot of time, like, how is your online program better than going into a practitioner? And we've seen significantly better results, like with being in an online format, because it forces you to do the, the analysis and for you to do the movement on your own. Whereas in a clinic, we would like put our hands on people. We like move their pelvis for them. And it wasn't until we kind of went online, realized that, wow, people, not only do they get better, but they're more empowered by their ability to figure this stuff out themselves. Well said, right. And we, and that's what we said. Well, this is like, like we believe the secret sauce is a learn by doing. It's a learn by exploring. It's a learn by self-discovery. And this self-discovery leads to the greatest breakthroughs. And just as in in life, and I'm sure I, I can't give a specific example. I'm sure you guys can think of examples where maybe you have a discovery in your life. You're like, I've been this. Oh, I get it. You tell your family and friends, I get it. I've been this way for all these years. They go, yeah, I've been trying to tell you that shit for 20 years. It's about time you discovered it, idiot. And so <laughs> that self-discovery process, we believe, leads to the greatest breakthroughs. But it's not made through like a like – myself, I'm working people one-on-one. It like tends to be like a rushed format. I'm like, no, no, push your hips forward, pull them back in. Now go practice that. It's like, there's not room in that format. At least we're not trained to help people discover those breakthroughs through the movement as we're taught to just teach them and move to the next person. And in Jen, I'm not sure about you, Dom and Andrew, this applies. We learn very much about the power of self-discovery through taking Landmark Forum, through taking ALA, Ascension Leadership Academy. Because we did this, I'm like, whoa, these are real world transformations occurring before my eyes. These people's lives are forever transformed. And I'm like, that shit doesn't exist in healthcare anywhere. I don't see it. And so we took that, what we also, we took what we've taken from Landmark Forum and myself from ALA and bundled that in with self-discovery through movement to encourage and to empower people with these transformations that their shit's fixed when they do that. They go, damn, I get it. I'll never be the same. This is the way I'm going to be forever. I'm never turning back. The light, my future's brighter. I'm free to do whatever I want. I'm like, there you go. Good job. 
Next. <laughs> yeah. Incredible to watch. Yeah, no, that's that's awesome. And I'm I'm just a couple years out of school, right? I graduated 2018, so really early on in my time in the clinic. And luckily when I was doing observation, I had some amazing mentors that taught me something very similar that told me, hey, if I don't do anything for the person beyond the things I do when they're here with me, then I'm not worth my weight in a big ball of chewing gum. You know, I got to teach them those things to help empower them to independence in that journey. So I love that you brought up empowerment. Um, Mike, I wanted to ask specifically, like, was there one specific thing or anything specific that made you realize, oh, these people don't just need to come in to see the Cairo for the wham, bam, pop, crack, and then go out. It's actually probably better for them to do it on their own. When did you make that flip? Dom, that's an excellent question. I still had a mindset when I graduated. I had a mindset that I wanted to fix people faster like than the other doctors. I wanted to be better than the PTs. I wanted to be better than the Kairos. I wanted to be do a better job. Like I wanted to, to help people like recover faster than anyone else. I was on a mission to do that. And so like, we might only see like patients three or four visits, which is not a good sustainable model. It's a very tough model. Run a a rehab business is when people are only coming in a few times. But what occurred was in 2016, Andrew now is like discovering his body. He's teaching me at this point there's some point in time where he like crossed, he had more knowledge than me with movement. I'm not sure. That was probably in 2016 somewhere. Then he would take patients and start taking people through this system that he was creating. This, this like step by, he's creating basically a step-by-step system, how he fixed his own body and how he continually was fixing it to then he's just teaching other people the same method. And at the time I'm also, I'm like, okay, I'm going to accelerate their recovery. I'm going to adjust them. I'm going to do whatever at ART. I'm going to do soft tissue work. I got like Theraguns. I got all kinds of tools that I'm using to help people give them a boost and then move to Andrew. And then Andrew's going to help them with their movements. And that was, that was probably, would you agree, Andrew, that's probably the system for a couple of years that we developed into. Yeah. What I discovered though was, and what I currently believe to be true is that yes, like an adjustment tissue work can quickly reduce people's pain. Yet, by doing so, reduce their motivation to do what they say they were going to do. Because people come in, I'm willing to do what it takes. I'm willing to do what it takes to fix my body, whatever it takes. I'm willing, like they're ready to do the work. Like pain is one of the greatest motivational forces on earth. And then I learned that by stripping it away from somebody, even if for a day, it reduced their motivation to do anything about it. So where it was short-term benefit people say, I seem to be losing people. And so along the process, somewhere in 16, I was so frustrated with personally, I just couldn't deal with that life anymore as a sports rehab. I show up at the same damn office every single day, the same lights. And I'd sit there and just manually work on people for eight hours and then go home and do it again over and over and over. And I'm like myself, I'm adventurous. I love to travel. I like to spearfish. I like to hunt. I like to, and these are things that I don't like to do. These are things I do do. And, but I wasn't doing, cause I was so constrained to this, like this, like nine to five prison I put around myself and I was just, I was not happy. I wasn't happy and I wasn't motivated to grow that business. Personally, I wanted to have an online business. 
for myself because I'm like, oh, if I have an online business, I could go spend a half a day at Starbucks and I could work at Starbucks. I used to walk in Starbucks, see people working. I'm like, I wish I could do that. I got to go whack, crack and collect. What the hell? And I also looked at our team. I was like, Andrew, and we had Marisol. And I'm like, look, we got a system. This works. This is helping a lot of people. At the time, 2016, our social media audience was substantially growing. We're getting people flying in from different countries and driving from different countries to see us. And so there was like this point that hit. And then we had a couple of videos pop and go viral, like four or five million views. And that gave me the motivation to like buckle down, sacrifice everything for a year and to convert what was Cali Spine in-person clinic into what is now Move You, which is a digital company, a digital corporation. It took about a year. And now somewhere about four, four months into that, three, four months into that process of the, it was probably the most, it was the most focused, dedicated work I can ever recall doing. Like other than school, I don't really count that though, because people are telling me what to do and what to study. This was just absolute self-driven and moving towards a dream that I created in my head. Moving towards that, it's somewhere about three, four months into that, I just remember having this moment. I go, wait, Andrew has it figured out. Andrew gets it. I'm still trying to help people quickly fix their body. Andrew put a seatbelt on. He's like, I'm in it for the long run. I'm going to slowly improve my body, but it's, it's slow, but it's sustained progress opposed to like quick, unstable progress. And so I just remember having like these days or weeks where I'm like, Andrew, like that's the system. Like Andrew figured it out. Like that process works every time, every time. So now Move Use created and Andrew becomes the program developer for the Move You program because I'm like, he already figured this shit out. That process works every time. We're going to build this corporation. There's a product, step-by-step how to teach people to fix their body. And we're going to put a beautiful corporation around it. We're going to be trustworthy and entertaining. And it's going to have a sexy component to it because I'm in the videos, obviously. And that was like the turning point, Dom, that I had. I had to go all in myself for three months or so to appreciate to appreciate Andrew's method. Because I was, I'm always bouncing around looking for like the next thing, right? I was like the patient. Ooh, let's try the abscisor. Let's do this crazy. There's this new adjustment. There's all this new stuff. But the truth is the the the, the truth lies in the process. The results lie in the process. And so since then we've you know committed to being truthful to people on the process. But that's when that turning point, that was the turning point for me. It was a really good question. I hope I answered that and 20 other questions. <laughs> you did. Good. You did for sure. I know that people need to experience this program for themselves, but can you give an overlying outline of like the basic systems that people should kind of be hitting and What are the steps that you went through, Andrew, to really create this system? So I am fortunate enough to have injured just about every part of my body. So my lower back injury is not the only thing that I've had chronic pain with. Could be due to my Ehlers-Danlos syndrome shit, but whatever, I've, I've injured everything. So I actually found that people needed to learn how to manipulate each individual part of the body from wiggling each toe to being able to roll their ankle, being able to rotate their tibia, which is much more advanced, to being able to isolate their pelvis and activate individual muscles in their body and and their shoulder blade before they get to 
any of these big movements, and I'm doing air quotes, like big movements, like a bridge, which mm-hmm. is actually, if you're doing it properly, you're using your entire body from head to toe. And it was teaching people how to activate each of these individual components of the body and apply that to every movement that help people stay incredibly focused and present in their body. And by doing so helps to relieve whatever pain or issues they have because they're not so focused on their individual chronic issue. You know, if someone comes in with back pain, for instance, and you're having them working on their feet and their shoulder blade positioning, it's taking their mind away from their back. And that in and of itself, that decentralization or some, what is that fancy word you guys use? Say it with confidence, even if it isn't true. No one's going to fact check you. Whatever. (laughs) That's really helped people to gain confidence in their body. And then by taking those individual components of the body and piecing them together, make bigger movements, just improves their confidence significantly in everything that they do. 100% agree. And I think it took me even learning myself. I was a gymnast, but then when I started teaching Pilates and I thought, oh, I could do planks forever. I could do all this yoga stuff. Like, this is easy. But when she actually started going in on me on every little muscle, every little thing that is actually activating when you're doing a basic plank or you're even lying Mm -hmm. supine on your back, you know, when you start to really break it down exactly like you're saying and become aware of your body in this deeper way, it opens up so much more. So I love that you guys dive in so intently, so deeply. And you also don't make it like, hey, this is going to be (laughs) extremely easy. This is a process. It's a journey. And you guys are really being the example of leading people in that way. And so I just think it's incredible. Oh, thanks, Jen. Thank you. I love hearing you guys speak. And I love hearing you guys talk about the journey. Everyone sees the end, you know, move you product. It's cool to hear the underlying process of how you guys got to the process and got to this thing that can be applied to everybody. And so many of the things that you guys said throughout that journey mirror the way that Jen and I help and try to coach people into their bodies and discover. It's that self-discovery. So we really commend you guys. We appreciate you guys. We look forward to continuing to learn from you guys. If everybody else here wants to learn a little bit more about you guys and the stuff that you do, where can they find that? The first thing to do is start with us on Instagram and all the handles are move you, move in the letter U. So Instagram, great place to start. If you guys don't use Instagram, Facebook. If you don't use Instagram and Facebook, YouTube. And we have moveyou.com. You can learn more about the move you program on moveyou.com. The majority of people that enroll and succeed in the move you program are people who have been limited with pain. They are, there's, they have imbalances. They've been considering surgery. It's usually a back, a shoulder, a knee, a hip. And these people have one thing in common and they're willing to put in the work if they knew they were going to get the results. For those people, go to moveyou.com, learn about the program. If you know somebody who needs it, send them the link, moveyou. We are also in Apple App Store. You can download the MoveYou app and you're going to be Currently in there are some categorized videos that we've done in the past that allow you to search for relevant videos for what you want to improve. And up and coming is the Move You Coaches program. So Ooh. anybody out there 
who wants to help people, who wants to learn more about their body and help people fix their body and to do it digitally, to help people digitally so these people can be, have careers at home and do it and teach people virtually how to fix their body. That is going to be coming in the very near future. So you want to stay on tune for that at moveyou.com and on our Instagram page for that. And that is all of our resources. You guys have incredible resources. You really do. TikTok. Wait, our TikTok crushed you. <laughs> oh, you're on TikTok? TikTok. My God. Yeah, we put like, have you, are you on there yet, Doc? Jen? Kind of. Not really. Okay, Jen. Now, side note. What's cool about TikTok is it's very much like the Instagram early days, how right. videos just crush 1.6 million, 1.8 million, 1.2 million views on videos that go viral. It's very much like those early Instagram days. And we were in the heyday together, Jen, back in we were 15. You started in probably 14 or 13. We did. We started 15 and 16 and 17. Those are, but TikTok's really, it's exciting. It really is. That's amazing. I'm going to have to check it out. Well, thank you guys. Maybe we'll do some more videos. Don't drop me on my head. Okay. <laughs> I never dropped you on your head. I, I, I dismounted you towards a head landing and you were athletic enough to land it. And once again, for the records, as you were in mid-flight, I still in my head go, she's got this. <laughs> she's a gym, right? Yeah, well, I could tell in the air. She's like, yeah, she's fine. I just kind of uh, under, I overestimated her body weight on that one. Yeah, or underestimated for that my one. strength, however you want to put it. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, I so incredibly appreciate it. Thanks for mm -hmm. telling your story, sharing your journey. And the help and all the resources that you provide for everyone out there. Uh, well, you know what? We're on the same mission. So I will forever support you, Jen. And uh, we're in the same boat. We're trying to do the same thing, trying to help people become more aware of their body, how to fix their own pain and injuries, how to live strong, how to live free, and how to, yeah, I should just end it with live free. So end <laughs> it live free. Thank you, Jen and Dom. Appreciate it. Appreciate you guys. Thank you guys. Thank you so much for listening to us on the Optimal Body Podcast, where we're going to continue to bring you the PT pearls and guests that will help you find your optimal body. Now, head over to wherever you listen to this and leave us an honest review and head to docgenfit.com backslash podcast where you can find all the show notes. Don't forget that we're going to give away a free month to someone who subscribes, leaves us an awesome review, and lets us know what they want to review on the next PT Pearl. So we'll be choosing that once a week to get into a free month of the Optimal Body Membership.